Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey everyone, um, my name is Talia. Welcome to General Queries, the first episode in a podcast that we've just decided to put together, I guess. We are going to be looking at uh, queer experiences uh, within the Brisbane community. Um, yeah, I'm your host, and I'm joined in the studio today by Kelsey. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Oh, look, it's been a day. It's been it's been an interesting day. I can um, imagine. Look, it's a Saturday. We're kind of chilling. Yep. The, the sun is coming in oh, through the blinds. Oh, it's a beautiful day. The cat is kind of looking really nice, actually. Um, yeah, so because it's the first episode, we're just going to find a flow. And I yep. think that will develop as we kind of work on the podcast a little bit more. So thank you for coming in and... Yeah. Being our guinea pig, as it were. It's all good. Yeah. Um, we might as well start off really easy. Give us a little bit of about yourself, how you identify your pronouns. I'm a young gay man. He, him. Um, I'm 19. I've lived in Brisbane my whole life. Yay. <laughs> Brisbane boys. Oh, my yep. gosh. <laughs> See, I'm not from Brisbane, so I, like, travel in every day. Oh, really? Where really, are you yeah. from? Like- um, we don't talk about it. No, I'm... I'm <laughs> Uh, Ipswich. I was going to say that's where it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. It's like if, if someone says they're not from Brisbane, they're either from Ipswich or from Logan, yep. and they refuse to admit that. Yeah. Um. So now the world knows that I'm not from Brisbane. So great. <laughs> anyway, so yeah. How do you sort of see that sort of fitting into your idea of you as a person? Um. Well, I guess like growing up, it's kind of like a big – like. I'm Aboriginal as well. So like a big part of me growing up was being Aboriginal, being proud of my heritage and where I come from and all that kind of stuff. And my parents were always like, dad's white and mum's Aboriginal. And so it's always kind of like, they've always like instilled in me, like being proud of who I am. So like when I sort of like came to the realization that I am gay, um, it did take me a little bit to accept it. But um, once I like, I, once I accepted it, once I came to terms with it, I, you know, I came out to my mum at, I think, 15, 16, oh, wow. yeah. um, which, you know, younger generations today mm. might say, oh, that's a bit later. And, you know, older generations like, wow, that's, you know, that's really young because, um, you know, the younger kids growing up today, it's more accepted in society, I guess. Yeah. Whereas for like older people, it's was like quite common for them to not come out until you know like until their 30s yeah. so for me it's kind of always like when I came out it didn't so much become part of my identity it was just kind of like yeah look you know I'm gay but I'm still Kelsey okay so. yeah it, I think it's really interesting um like with coming out stories because I'm not officially like out to my parents yeah um and I don't think that's a conversation that I will ever have unless they bring it up um, so I think it's always really interesting when people are like, yeah, so I, I sat down with my parents and I told them 
Um, yeah, is that is that like was that like a big thing, like a hurdle that you felt you had to get over? Um, it's kind of weird, like because I knew that mum was going to be okay with it. Like, mum was a bit of a fag hag. Right. Um, she had a lot of gay friends. Um, so like me growing up, I knew them. So I I knew that mum was going to be okay with it. Mm-hmm. And dad has always been like really great. And so I was like, I knew it was going to be fine. So it wasn't like a big thing. It was kind of just like, you know, it's just one of those things. Like I felt like I owed it to them to tell them. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like, I went, it was like very late at night. And mum was just like, just about to go to bed. And I just, I walked downstairs and I went to my mum. I was like, mum, I'm gay. And she looked at me and she said, tell me something I don't know. And I said, okay, cool. And so she went into the room and then she was awake, couldn't go to sleep. So she woke up my father and told him. Um, and so then like 10 minutes later, I have a knock on my bedroom door and they come in and they had this nice little chat. It was just kind of like this reassuring, um, it's like, you know, it's we still love you, all the, like, it's okay. We accept you and everything. And that's kind of like, I never like, I didn't tell my siblings. I think it was kind of just assumed. Assumed. Um, the only, and like my, it was the same with my friends. Like I became so like, I didn't talk about it because I didn't feel it was important. But if someone asked me, I had, I was like, I'm not going to say, no, I'm not gay. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, the only, like the other person, other people that I felt like I had to tell was my, um, grandparents on my mum's side. Mm -hmm. I was kind of like, because I was going to a formal with a friend of mine who went to an all boys school. So like we weren't dating or anything. We were just really good friends and he had just broken up with his boyfriend. So he was like, well, do you want to come with me? And said, I was like, sure. I love go to formals. So I went with him and I told my mom that I was going to go with him. And she said, well, look, if you're going to go to this, you need to tell your grandparents out of respect for them. So that they don't, you know, if photos go out on Facebook, they're not finding out there. They need mm-hmm. to find out for you. So I was like, Coming out to them was like a different, I was like worried to them because they're for them. Cause like, you know, the older generation, yeah. you don't know how they're going to react. Yeah. Um, and like, I had such a love for my grandparents. Like I idolized my granddad, like I'm so close to them. So I was very worried. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember I called them and I was like, uh, what are you doing this afternoon? And then they were like, oh, nothing. I was like, oh, well, do you want to come over to chat? I need to tell you something. And they're like, okay. And it's kind of weird because normally like my grandparents, when they get to the house, they beep the horn, they get out of the car and they go up the back. Whereas this time, when they got there, they didn't beep the horn. They called me and were like, do you want to come down the front? I was like, okay. So we went down. I sort of sat in the car. I'm like, oh, what do you want to tell me? I was like, oh, um, I was, was like, well, I'm next week. I'm going to a formal with my friend, Ryan. Um, out of respect for you guys, I just wanted to tell you that I'm gay. And it was like another really great experience, which I'm thankful for because I know not everyone gets to have that experience. Um, but they were very much like, you know, it's same again. It was like, we, we still love you. Like it doesn't change anything if that's your choice as much as, you know, it's not a choice, but I was like, I'm not going to yeah. have that argument. No, I'm going to take my blessings that yeah. you're okay with it and take that. But, you know, I am very grateful that I have mm-hmm. a very accepting family and it just kind of like spread. And then like this year, it wasn't, I marched in the pride parade this year for my second year. Um, but this year I actually led the march holding the Aboriginal flag. Um, so with the rest of the first nations people, I was out the front and I was very like, I was so excited about it. So when I got the official photos, I uploaded it and I posted it and I was like, part of my identity is being younger Aboriginal man. I was like, Oh, like, I don't want people to think this is my coming out story because I'm out. Like Mm, this is not like, this is not me coming out. This is me just telling you of experience I had. And it was kind of, and then I like posted it and I just kind of went, Oh, hang on a second. Like, 
all the people I work with are going to see this. And like the rest of my extended family are going to see this. Um, and it was like really interesting to see like all the response. It was all very positive. Like even like my nannies, like her siblings, like her sisters were commenting. I was like, Oh, I love you so much. And my aunties were all very accepting. So there was like, I'm very fortunate to have such an amazing experience and an amazing supportive family. And like I said, like not everyone gets to have that experience, which is sad, but you know, we, at least we have our own community that we're like a family that we are very accepting of everyone. And, you know, RuPaul always says the best part about being gay is we get to choose our family. Yes, that's true. The found family is exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, you got your drag families and all that stuff. And it's, pretty amazing that we've been able to build this community where it's like it's okay whether you're you identify whatever you identify as come Mm. we'll look after you that kind of it's amazing this amazing community that we've built up yeah is it um like with because I understand well how I kind of understand coming out is like it's a different um you like you're constantly coming out like you can never quite have yeah it's from the moment you first come out, you're forever going to be coming out because for every person you meet after that, mm. there is going to be a point in which you're probably going to have to tell them because they don't, if they, if you're not overly flamboyant or anything, if you're very reserved, reserved yeah. they're not going to know um, per se. So, you know, you are going to have to tell them and that's basically mm. your life. It's not like you can't, you're not going to walk around with a shirt that says I'm gay everywhere yeah. where, and it's like, does it does it feel like because I know for me like every time I come out it kind of like it's like another sort of chapter that's added to like the whole coming out mm. story is is it kind of like that for you or like yeah I feel like it's kind of like uh, the, the way to kind of look at it look at it is like it's uh, a story that's forever being written that yeah. will never have an ending yeah so you're just constantly like adding to this story and mm. you know sometimes the stories you're adding to it are positive and sometimes they're negative because mm. you know not everyone is going to be accepting and I have had experience um not so much as part of my coming out but just you know you, you yeah you can't avoid having people who are homophobic and yeah. saying things like it's just part of life yeah which is unfortunate oh but- it's a very shit part of life yeah but it, you, what can you do yeah I think Unfortunately, it, sometimes it feels like the only way forward is by exposing ourselves. Exactly. The, it's, the more the more people see it, um, is the more they become familiar and the, mm. more, the more they become used to it. So, you know, if you come from a community um, that is a very Catholic community, obviously they're not going to have a lot of experience yeah. with homosexuality and transgender and all of the titles, the wonderful things. <laughs> um, all encompassing, obviously, like they're not going to have experience with that. So, you know, I can understand that they're going to be a bit like unsure of how to take it in, but you just got to try and make it that, it, I guess you could have like, I don't know how to say it, but like, you've got to make sure you give them a good experience Yeah, in the sense that they're like, oh, okay, they're not that bad. You're, you're constantly like the the vanguard yeah. for your identity, which is I think a really interesting thing. Like I, I know especially within like the the newer formed queer communities, they're 
very much like if you don't like that particular person who identifies as X, then you immediately write off the entire identity. Yeah. And I've had that happen with like a couple people before. And it's just like, yeah, you're constantly having to perform at such a high standard. It's um interesting. We talked about it at uni. Um in uh, radical theater, we, oh you know, we talked about the idea where you're constantly always like life is about selling yourself mm. and making yourself look good to other people. Yeah. And that goes for everyone, whether you are a straight male, yeah. straight white male, you've still got to make yourself look good yeah. in the eyes of society. Yeah. It's just kind of, yeah, a little bit unfortunate that it is. We're, we're having to perform. We have to do for everyone yeah. like we represent everyone yeah which is a lot to put yeah on. when you are a minority that's yeah you know, that's what life is and that, it's the same with like not even just you know the queer community it's the same mm. with you know african communities yeah. and the aboriginal community aboriginal Torres Strait Islander. like that's forever what you're trying to do you know you see it in the news as soon as one gay person or one black person does something bad suddenly all black people and all gay people are bad mm. It's stereotypes and stigmas that the media love to portray. Yeah. And, you know, as soon as it's just kind of like as soon as you tell someone you had a bad experience, they're not going to. Yeah. They're not going to go and like, oh, I don't want to go there then. Yeah. Do you like do you see a way to sort of move past those stereotypes? Do you have like in your ideal world, where would we go? I guess the unfortunate thing about the society is that you can't the way we've been raised and the way it's so ingrained in society is that we think of stereotypes and that's how we base our opinion on everything and as much as we say we don't judge people everyone does it the moment you look at someone you've made a judgment on whether you want to associate with them or not yeah yes you you can say I don't want to associate with them but you still give them a chance yeah but you've already made a judgment call on them and you don't even know them. Yeah, that's true. As much like you can be taught as much as you like, don't judge a book by its cover, but it's going to happen. Yeah. So in an ideal world, it would be great that, you know, you took away all labels and everyone was just a human being, but there are so many people in the world and I myself am included. I like to have a name for everything. I like to know what everything is. Um, and that's what a lot of, and I think that's where a lot of confusion comes up with older generations. They're like, okay, well, when we talk about this spectrum of the queer community, like, oh, okay, so you're gay. Oh, no, you like women, so you're bisexual. And it's like, well, I also like everyone, so I'm, I'm pansexual. Mm. pansexual. Like, well, what's that? And it's like, well, it's this. And it's like, okay. And they're just trying – they need to know. They need to have something to cling to to, yeah. um, to be able to fathom yeah, the it's, idea. Yeah, it's a lot of – really kind of interesting like baby's first identity checklist yeah which yeah I know like I do it a lot as well mm. like depending on who I'm around I will give myself certain identity labels yeah to just kind of fit into that idea of how I think they're gonna they're gonna see yeah me. you can't like you know you kind of give them what they want to hear. Yeah. You can't, you can't alienate them because I feel like we're still working on general acceptance Yeah, um, or general tolerance in some cases. And the only way to do that is by giving them small amounts. Mm. So. But I think that's the amazing thing is that 
we have come so far. Yeah. In the sense that while, yes, the queer community is a minority, the support for the queer community is in the majority. Yeah. So. Yeah. And we are allowed to. We are allowed yeah. to, to have pride. And, yeah, exactly. And, and we can go on marches and we, we can actually, yeah, when you put it like that, it's, it's such an amazing thing that we have reached a point in society where we don't have to be fighting so much for our like, right to breathe. We still have such a long way to go, don't get me wrong, but yeah. we have come so far. Like you, you notice it straight away when, you, you know, if you go to the Pride March, the whole way down, mm. um, you know, there's people on – the balconies of their apartments, waving at you, showing you support. And you're always going to have those one or two, three, two, three Bible bashers that have their big sign about how we're all sinners and they, with their little microphone, like there is nothing we can do about that. Mm-hmm. Yes, we can try and show them that we're not bad. We're not sinners. Mm. But at the end of the day, they're always going to be there. There's always going to be. Yeah. Dissenters. Exactly. Like, because mm. it's all learnt behaviours. That's what they've been taught. Yeah. And when they have children, that's what they're going to teach their children. Yeah. And I guess it's on us to educate uh, the wider community about who we are. Yeah. And familiarise them. Because once they're familiar with it, they're they're okay with it. Yeah. They don't have to be scared of it. Yeah. It's interesting that you say they don't have to be scared of it because, yeah, like sometimes they are – quite scared it's of a gen- it. it's a genuine fear yeah. because they don't know yeah they don't like it's the whole idea of the fear of the unknown they don't know what that is so obviously they're going to be standoffish in the beginning yeah it's a it's a long process because i do little bits and pieces of education work where i can yeah um it's a long process of like actually sitting people down and trying to explain it on their terms so that they're not a overwhelmed and b immediately terrified by things that they haven't even considered because it's such a when you exist outside of like a majority you're suddenly thinking about things that the majority don't have to think about yeah so you kind of i'm not quite sure if this is your experience but you develop language and um thoughts and ideas around things that people just don't think about and so when you know, you bring that up, people are all of a sudden kind of taken off guard because this just isn't something that they've ever considered. Yeah, because they've gone, you know, it's the like adults, they've gone their whole life not knowing. Whereas if you introduce, you know, acceptance and, you know, having love for everyone at such a young age, mm. which is, you know, what we're trying to teach children these days. Like I work in a childcare centre mm. and I see all these kids that are coming through that they're being taught to, you know, love everyone, be friends. Like we're all friends. You don't have to play with that person, but we're still friends. We you, you have to be nice to them. Yeah. That's the way we, that's what we teach the children. I remember. And it was at one time we have an after school care program. We pick the kids up from school and we walk them back to the center. And it was during the whole marriage equality debate that was going on towards the end of last year. And I was walking along with this, uh, one of the boys who, at the time was in prep and I, I, I don't know how we got onto it. He just started saying it and he just went, I just don't understand why girls can't marry girls and boys can't marry boys. And I just went, huh? Like oh. this kid is in prep and he understands that. Yeah. 
like because his parents have taught him from a very young age mm. and his whole family is the same, he's been taught to be accepting and loving of everyone, mm. that he already knows that and he's, what, five, six years old. Yeah. Which is more than I can say for people that are adults. Oh, yeah. That treat people horribly. In the older generation. Yeah. Do, and they don't even, like, yeah, like I understand not not knowing something that you're not, that you didn't grow up with, but it's sometimes the blatant disrespect yeah. and the blatant arrogance that they show when they're just like, no, I refuse. They don't want to know. Yeah. And that's, you know, you, you can look at the comparison. Tony Abbott. Oh, God. Is a homophobe, transphobe, everything. Mm. Yeah. His sister's a lesbian. Yeah. and He's been exposed to that and he just doesn't want to have anything to do with it. And I guess it comes down to what he was taught as a kid mm. growing up and being so uh, passionate about Catholicism, being raised in the Roman Catholic Church, that that was what he was taught is that it's a sin. Yeah. And that marriage is between a man and a woman. And slowly we are moving past it, but oh gosh, we are. it's I'm, a long, it's a long stretch. I mean, I, I, I don't feel like it's at risk here in Australia. We've just yeah. received marriage equality and I don't feel like it's at no. risk. I am worried for America because yeah, of that's, that's all that's going on at the moment. Yeah. There are, with the new um, Supreme Court, Court order. person they've put in. Oh, yeah. Um, However you pronounce his very, name. Um, very conservative yeah. and you know there's they're looking at getting rid of um uh making abortions illegal again and potentially getting rid of um marriage equality terrifying because he's so conservative they wanted to put him on mm. to swing it back to the conservative side that's but they were so terrifying. desperate to do that they were overlooking like they were able to overlook the fact that this person yeah. was being accused of sexual assault. Yeah. Which That's is, how far people will go. Yeah, which is terrifying. Very. Actually. The fact that you're so intent on destroying someone's life because of something innate is just so sad. In a first world country as well. Yeah, in a first I world can country. Un- as much as it's terrible, I can kind of understand, you know, if it's a third world country, mm. they don't have the resources and the amount of exposure that we have in Australia and America, mm. we don't have an excuse. Yeah, we we have the time and the energy to be putting, you know, debate in for these big moral issues, and we continue to refuse to see people as people, which is... There's, there's no excuse for being a horrible person. Yeah. They'll say, oh, my religion says it's a sin, so... But I'm like, that doesn't give you the right to be rude to me. Yeah. And treat me like I'm less than human. Yeah. And the religious argument, like as someone who was raised yep. um, Christian. I grew up like going to church every Sunday. Yep. Same. And, you know, <laughs> you stand there with your little, you know, your little pamphlet and you're like, God loves me. And you, and, yep. You praise everything. And, and and then they turn around and they're like, actually, no, we're sorry, but here's the mm. door, which is just hypocritical. Yeah. I kind of. I, do, I haven't, I, I mean, I'm not open to the church. Mm. I, every now and again, I still go and like my family goes on Christmas. We go to midnight mass and all that stuff. Yeah. And it's like, I've not been turned away from the church, but I'm also still very apprehensive. Oh yeah. 
in the sense that I know what the Catholic teachings are. So like, how can I be very open to something that, you know, so many people are like, no, you're a sin. You can't be doing this. Mm. Um, and I've sort of taken myself away. Yeah. I think in order to protect myself. Yeah. I guess that's the only way to put it. Yeah. But I mean, like the reason I, I was an altar server, like okay. I was up there. I mean, the only reason I wanted to be an altar server because I got to wear these really cool robes. Okay. But I, I was an altar server. That was like, I would go to church every Sunday and I would be an altar server and I would stand up the front and I would, you know, hold the candle while the, um, while the priest and father is um, saying the Holy gospel. And then when did you make a, a choice to, to leave at a certain point or did you just kind of fade? Off? I guess it was, and it, well, it wasn't a conscious decision. It was kind of like an unconscious thing. Um, my family sort of, we stopped going every Sunday because we were so busy. We'd have stuff on Sunday morning that we couldn't go. Um, and then we slowly, you know, after working a full week, we were just too tired to do anything on Sunday. So we would just sleep in and dad, still goes every now and again um but we as a family we just don't go that much and like every now and again like when we do go as a family mum be like get up we're going to church yeah um but mum was more so the one that was like we're going to church dad would always ask me Mm -hmm. and go do you want to go today i was like no and he's like okay but i would like you to go sometime i was like okay that's fair like you know that's what I've been raised. I'm like, okay. Dad was very like, all right, if you don't want to go, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I would like you to at least go sometimes. Yeah. Which is fair. Yeah. And I accept that. Um, am I just I, I really love this line of inquiry, but um well, I think we're almost almost coming to time, I think. Um, so while we still have time, um, I'd actually be really uh, interested to ask about um if you have any tips for anyone who's curious or questioning and, and how they should go about sort of coming to terms with themselves or reaching out or finding a community? Um, I guess the main thing I would say is that, you know, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You're, there's nothing wrong with you. Um, be open to exploring um, because there is so much out there in the sense that like, it is a spectrum. You don't know where you lie mm. on that spectrum until you question everything and experiment and all that kind of stuff. And there are um, amazing opportunities and support groups, you know, like every university has the LGBTIQA plus. Whatever all collective the, <laughs> all the they, they have that's appropriate. <laughs> and whether you identify as something under that acronym or whether you don't know what you identify as, you are still welcome. Mm. And even if you don't identify at all, you're still welcome. Anyone can march in that parade. And if you're, um, you know, I've just started on a committee for, it's called Gabanjalam. It's the um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander LGBTIQ committee. And we work in partnership with Indigilas and we kind of organize stuff, events, and like I like I've literally only just joined it, um, but you know we, we're trying to because we're at a different level of minority because mm. we are Aboriginal, which mm. is already a minority. Yeah, we're gay, another minority. Mm. Put them together, you know, we're just bringing down that percentage even yeah. more. So, you know, we're trying to build a support for this younger generation that's coming up. So, 
Like, when, I guess it's just look around because there is networks and people out there mm-hmm. um, that have open door policies where anyone is welcome. So don't be afraid to look around and try things, I guess. Yeah. No, thank you so much. Um, one last thing. I know that was the last one, but one last thing. <laughs> um, is there anything you want to plug? Because this is usually what people do. They always plug things at the end of podcasts. So, um, um, like, uh, do you want them to look at um, Gabunchalum? And where can they find that? Well, I guess just uh, – I'm going to have to look at – struggle to spell it. Um, well, we're, we're in the process of organising a um, an event called Brown Sugar, mm-hmm. which is the for the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander LGBTIQ brother, boy, and sister girl community. I mean, like anyone can go. There's no like you yeah. can't go to this kind of thing. Like anyone can go. And it's um, held to celebrate World AIDS Day. So it was going to be on December 1st, but it's on the 1st of November. Mm-hmm. Um, we're still finalising everything. But the, sorry, the 30th of November, mm-hmm. um, it's going to be at the Aussie Nash. So, you know, keep an ear out. Yeah. And um, yeah, come we'll- along. We've got, um, we'll have some performers, mm-hmm. um, drag queens coming along and performing and all that kind of stuff. And be really fun night to yeah. have fun we'll we'll do we'll do so um, keep an eye out for brown sugar yay <laughs> um yeah no thank you so much no thank um, you for having me yeah it's been wonderful to actually talk to you and get all this uh, up and running <laughs> and again thank you so much for being no, the the test interviewee it's been a totally wonderful fine. time um thank you so much thank you Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.